Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Go with me in your Bibles. Now, usually I just go to one opening. Today I'm going to go to two, but I'm going to try and be as quick as I can. We're going to go to two openings. The first one is Joshua chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 5 through verse 9. And right after that, I'm going to read 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 14. Now, I know you're at home and I know you're doing other things, but if you have an actual B-I-B-L-E anywhere in the vicinity, why don't you go ahead and grab that thing because it's good to know your way around the Word of God. Amen? So we're going to go to Joshua chapter 4 and I'm going to begin reading with verse 5. And you know, even though we're not here, it's kind of my custom for the stand, to stand for the reading of God's word. I think it's a good reminder for a young generation that we stand and we honor the word of God. So if you're in your kitchen, just get your bacon, put your bacon down for a second, stand up. We're going to honor the reading of God's word for the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, it's the only thing that stands forever. Amen? Amen. Joshua chapter four and verse five. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, Mm -hmm. according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in times to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Verse eight. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Verse nine, then Joshua, uh uh-huh, then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Man, it's such, it's so powerful. We cannot wait to break that open. But real quick, I'm gonna read 2 Kings chapter five, verse 14. So he went down. We're talking about the leper, Naaman. Naaman, that leper, that guy that had leprosy and went and talked to the prophet. He says, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Today, church, I wanna speak to you from the thought, my prayer, is in the middle. Somebody needs to type that in the chat today. My praise is in the middle. Say it out loud in your house. My praise is in the middle. Let's pray. Awesome God, King, eternally mortal, ruler, holy God, only wise one. God, we come before you this morning. We thank you that the anointing is on your word. And I thank you that the anointing goes into every home and every situation as the word is released and does a transformation in the lives of the hearer. Whether they're listening 
live right now, whether they're watching it later, whether they catch it in two years, God, there is no time and there is no space with the anointing of God on the word. And so, Father, speak through this, through me, through this woman that you just happen to have in the spot at the time. Now, God, I thank you for victory on the right hand, victory on the left side, victory behind us and victory before us. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody in the house shouted, I can hear you. I need to hear you one more time. Somebody shouted, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. As we look at our text this morning, God has raised up Joshua as the heir apparent to the anointing that was on Moses. So Moses was the leader. We know Moses. We're all, if you've been in church very long, you've probably heard some stories about Moses, the great deliverer that came upon the scene of human history just to emerge as the deliverer of God's people, the Hebrew children out of Israel, out, excuse me, out of Egyptian bondage. Moses, he's a unique character. He's a unique type of leader. He's unique in that he has singularity in his leadership. He's a grand deliverer. We know about Moses and we know about what he did. We know about the parting of the Red Sea. He shows up for no other reason but to lead God's people out of bondage. He goes before the Pharaoh and he says to the Pharaoh, (laughs) he says those words that some of us have heard many times, God said, let my people go. And eventually, after a little bit of a process, because the, nev- the enemy never wants to let you go easy. There's always a process. And after a little bit of a process, Pharaoh lets the people go. Now, Moses has the task of transforming slaves uh-huh, into conquerors. How are you going to transform some slaves into conquerors? Taking those that were in bondage for 400 years into a promised land. There were obviously some issues on this journey, because it's much easier sometimes, saints and friends, for God to deliver us out of Egypt. It can often be harder for him to get Egypt out of us. Can I get an amen, right? Sometimes getting out of Egypt isn't the hard thing. Sometimes it's the, it's the internal things, the, the habits and the, and, the, and the generational curses and the, and the mindsets that are harder for us to break. And so as they went along, God is processing them in the wilderness. He's processing his people for 40 years and some things happened in the life of Moses, that leader, that caused him to not to be able to enter into the promised land himself. It it is what it is. It's all there in your Bible. He wasn't able to enter. There's some things that caused this great leader not to be able to enter into the promised land himself. So to take up the task of bringing the Hebrew children into the promised land, (laughs) That task is handed now to Joshua, son of Nun. So what we see is that Moses' job was to get them out and Joseph's job, excuse me, Joshua's job was to get them in. There's a difference between a getting out anointing and a getting in anointing. See, it's the same anointer. It's the same oil. It's the same bloodline. But there's a difference in an anointing to get you out and one that is there to get you in. See, it's really interesting. Not too long ago, actually, it was before COVID. So several months ago, I was up here. It was pre-service and we were doing um, like sound check. And Julia, my daughter, she's was probably 10 at the time, maybe 11. She was up here and she gave me something. She jumped off the stage, she ran off, whatever. Like kids do. And like church kids do, okay. And so this woman was over here and I didn't know her name. I, I was relatively new, still relatively new. And I came off the stage and she approached me. She said, excuse me, was that your daughter? 
I said, yeah, that was my daughter. Like what? You know, like I'm a mom, like what? Yeah, that's my daughter. And um, she said, well, Holy Spirit spoke something to me about your daughter. And now I'm like, like my antennas are up like, woo-hoo, security, security. I got a wild one over here. But I, I didn't do that. I leaned in. I was like, okay, okay, I can receive this. And she said, your daughter, when she jumped off the stage and she ran off, I saw her dress flow and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart that she's like wind. And I'm listening to her and she said, Pastor Christy, you're like fire, but she's like wind. And what she proceeded to tell me, she said, wind is equally as powerful as fire, which those of us who have been through hurricanes understand that wind is equally as powerful as fire, but it's different. It's different. So don't expect her to do and look and be like you because the anointing on her, it's as powerful, but it's different. Same thing here with Moses and Joshua. Moses has the anointing to get them out. Joshua has the anointing to get them in. There is, but at the same time, there is, there is um, no dilution and no pollution between the anointings on these two men. While we're thankful for Moses, we have to be thankful to God for Joshua because without dilution and without pollution, it's the same anointing. The same anointing that was on Moses when he showed up was on Joshua. The anointer was the same. The power was the same. The leadership style was different. Moses was a singular leader. And as long as Moses was there and his staff was there we were good Moses <laughs> Moses we got to get across the Red Sea we ain't got no boat we ain't got no floaties we ain't got nothing Moses like no problem sea parts we go across awesome awesome Moses 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 we thirsty Moses we out here in the desert what God do we thirsty no problem he strikes a rock water comes out everybody's happy a little bit later, Moses, Moses, God's people, we so dramatic. Moses, Moses, we're hungry, Moses, we want something to eat. No problem. Manna comes down from heaven. I think they were probably like Texas Roadhouse rolls in my imagination. Maybe manna looks like cornbread at your house, looks like Texas Roadhouse at my house, okay? So that's all it took. Well, Moses, we're tired of man. And Moses, we want some meat. Can we please have some of the Lord's chicken? Well, we want Chick-fil-A. But, the, but Moses did say, no problem. Quail. You know it had to be good. It was the Lord's quail. So quail comes, no problem. Throw a stick at it. Throw the stick at it. Throw Moses at it. As long as we got Moses, as long as we got that staff, everything's okay. You don't have to do much. All you have to do is complain to Moses. You don't have to have faith. You don't have to know God. You don't have to step out yourself because Moses will do it for you. But Joshua, note, Joshua has learned something from watching Moses lead. That when you train yourself to, when you train people to always need you, well, they will always need you. Some of us are trying to raise eagles in our home so that they will leave one day. Honey, I don't want to train a homing pigeon. I'm not trying to have a boomerang child that just keep coming back, sleeping on my house. Um, because when you train someone to need you, they're always going to need you. Moses, he was a singular type of leader, but Joshua learned something watching that. And he watched the frustrations of Moses and he watched the people depend on Moses only. And Joshua determined to have a different style of leadership. 
One where the people learned not to lean on man, but to lean on God. You got to learn how to lean on God, One City Church. You got to learn how to lean on God. You got to learn how to pray until you get a breakthrough. You got to learn how to lay hands on your own self in your own house and pray until a healing happens. You got to learn how to depend and lean into God, not just into a leader. I hope that COVID has taught us all a lesson that even when we can't assemble in the house of the Lord, we have the strength to call on God and he will show up in the middle of the place that we are right here, right now on the couch, in the bedroom, in the kitchen, in the car. We can call on God. If Moses had come to the walls of Jericho, can you see it? You know, Joshua, they all walked around seven times. They had the horns, they had the priests, they shouted, the whole thing. If, jo- if Moses would have come to the walls of Jericho, there would have been, there'd have been no reason to walk around because that's all it would have took. But Joshua said, my leadership style is not gonna be one where I do everything and you watch. Mm-hmm. He said, it's gonna be where I lead you into your fullest potential. <laughs> and you do great things for God. That's how our pastor is. He's not a one-man show. He says, we got to have people that serve and people that lead because we wanna see you, church. We wanna see you lead in your fullest potential and you do great things for God. And then we can all come in here and celebrate together. Understand there is no lessening in the two anointings. Moses split the sea, bruh. Joshua caused the sun to stop. He stopped the sun, y'all. He stopped the moon, he stopped the sun, he stopped the celestial stars, and somehow, by a miracle of God, the earth didn't come spinning off its axis and gravity was not suspended. He didn't just put out a staff with a word. By the power of God, he stopped the sun. It's not a lesser anointing. Joshua chooses to operate through a team. It's a choice that he makes so that when he's no longer there, they can do it on their own. See, ladies and gentlemen, Moses comes to the Red Sea, stretches out his staff. When Joshua comes to the water, he says, tell, get the Levites. He tells the Levites, Levites, I need the Levites to come over here. Get the Ark of the Covenant, get the Ark of the Covenant, and you are gonna lead us. Now, these people are used to And then they walk across on dry land. Joshua says, it's not gonna happen like that right now. That's not how we're gonna get down right now. That's not how my leadership style is. That's not how I'm being led by the spirit of God. Get the Ark of the Covenant and you are going to lead us. Get in front of us about 3,000 paces, about 3,000 feet, Levites, and you are gonna lead us. And when your feet step into the Jordan River, then it will back up. Oh, that would mess with a person. Because when Moses did his and the Red Sea parted, the dry land was there, and then they could walk across. No faith required. They just walked across on dry land. This time, Joshua says, get the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not going first, you are. I'm gonna give you the instruction, and you're gonna do it. And when, when, after you step into the Jordan, then the water will pull back. Then the water will divide. He's saying, it will not be a miracle that is predicated on me. It will be a miracle that is predicated on your ability to step up. Somebody needs to understand that's a word for you. Your miracle is predicated on your ability to step up. Because when you step up, 
God steps up. When you decide that I'm going to do something for God, God will show up with you. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, it doesn't matter what anybody says or what any devil in hell tries to throw your way. If God said, if you say, I'll step up for you, God, God will say, I'll part the water for you. God says, step up. He said, and it wasn't Joshua. Joshua was the leader. Pastor Joshua is giving the instruction. But the people had to listen and they had to step up. God, I, I love the word of God. The Bible declares that, <laughs> that they stepped into the Jordan. They stepped into the water. Their feet got wet. Their, their feet got a little muddy as they were walking into the Jordan. And when they stepped into the Jordan, bearing the presence of God. See, that's important. They took the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was with them. We're taking the Ark and we're making a move. Woo! Somebody! If the presence of God is in your life, you need to bust a move, baby. Take the Ark and the presence of God and step up, step in. That's what happened right here. And the Bible declares that they stepped in to the Jordan, bearing the Ark of the Covenant. And that, after they stepped in the water, that is when the water stopped both ways. They stepped up with the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. Now, y'all, I got short legs. In case you did not know, I'm all of 5'1 and a half. The half is important when you're 5'1, okay? I'm short, been short all my life. I'm, I'm so short, I sit on a pillow in my office. It's just a treat. It's not a secret. I'm not telling you my business. I'm a short girl. I'm a short girl. I usually wear really big shoes to hide some of my shortness. But all y'all know, your girl is short, okay? I'm cool with it at this point in my life. But I'm short, so I have to walk fast. Now, it may not seem to you like I'm walking fast, but while you're striding your, your long, lean steps, I gotta take two for every one that you're taking, okay? I'm a short girl in my big shoes, walking fast. That's why I'm walking fast. I'm in my shoes, I'm a short girl with my short legs, and I'm walking fast, and I'm trying to act like, like I'm not out of breath because I'm, I'm out of shape, walking fast in my big shoes because I'm short. And so... I also tend to walk in my big shoes fast with my head down, huh, looking at my phone. Now, you know this is a recipe for disaster. So I'm a short girl. I'm walking fast, trying to keep up with everybody else. I'm looking down at my phone. It's a fact. Head down, face first. I've walked right into a door more than once. I've walked right into a window that I thought out of my peripheral that it was a door. I have walked into partitions. I've walked into all kinds of things because my head's down looking at my phone and I'm walking fast with my short legs in, a big, in big shoes. It happens all the time, but there, there are these certain doors that just thrill my soul. They are automatic doors. Y'all, I love me some automatic doors. I love automatic doors because when I approach them, whoosh, they open. It's a miracle. I love those doors. Why can't all doors be automatic doors? It would cause me so much less pain. You can walk right up. When you walk up, whoosh, they open and you walk right through. And that got me to thinking. That got me to thinking because, your girl, I'm not super deep. Like, I'm not real deep, okay? God talks to me in real normal things. I don't, like, get taken into the third heaven. It's just not the way I roll. God has to talk to me real simple. And one time after I walked, I'm walking, I'm walking, the doors open. I feel like a queen walking through because the doors open for me. One, and one time the Lord showed me about these wonderful automatic doors is that the, they only open when I approach them. 
They only open when I approach them. I can't stand back and wait for those doors to open for me. I can't do that. I have to be in motion towards the door for the door to open and for me to walk through. The door does not open until you step up, until there's a forward motion, until you move towards it. Some of you are waiting for the door to open before you take a step. But God is saying, I'm not opening the door until you step up. Because when you step up in faith, I'll make a way out of no way. When you step up in faith, I'll open a door that no man can shut. When you step up in faith, I'll split a sea, split a river, and stop a sun. Pastor preached two weeks ago. Bad. He preached a bad message two weeks ago. And one of the points was taking calculated risks. It's not faith, church, if you know the outcome. It's not faith when you know the outcome. It's faith. It doesn't cause you to have to walk in faith. Walking in faith is moving and saying, I'm going to step up even if this water doesn't split. <laughs> I'm going to step up because, because Pastor Joshua said, pick up the Ark of the Covenant and walk out to the Jordan. And he said, when, this, when we got in here, the water was going to open. My feet are awful wet right now, but I'm going to step up. Some of you, right where you are, in your home, you need to step up. I want you to see it's significant. The miracle does not happen until the people, oh, until the people step up. When you're so used to, or you so want a Moses-style leadership, you're waiting, you're waiting. Stretch out your rod, Moses. Stretch out your rod. Fix it. But God is saying this miracle is going to come by the people stepping up. God, that's a word for somebody. What is significant in the text is that when the priest steps in, the water stops both ways. God, that's so dope. And according to scholars, 1.5 million people cross this river without a bridge and without a boat simply because somebody stepped up. When you step up, you might be making a way for your family. When you step up, you might be making a change in the atmosphere at your job. When you step up, you might be making a change in the, in the function of your church and your community. When you step up, you may cause someone else to put their trust in Jesus just because you stepped up. All you got to do is step up. God will meet you in that motion. They stepped into the muddy waters of the Jordan. They walked all the way to the middle of the Jordan. That's so wild. Water shops on both sides. Here, these, here the Levites are carrying the ark. Because we don't go without the presence of God. We have presence-driven church, okay? So we ain't going without that. We, we're walking out here with, a, with the presence of God at the ark of the covenant. And the people are then allowed to pass by the ark of the covenant to safety. They walked across on dry ground. I don't have time to talk about dry ground, but that's significant. When God, I'll tell you this part. It was dry ground when Moses split the sea. It was dry ground when God split the sea for Joshua. Because when God gets you out, honey, he gets you all the way out. Ah, when God gets you out, there's no devil in hell that can keep you in. You got to take a step. You got to go in motion. They're standing there holding the Ark of the Covenant. What a privilege. 1.5 million people passed by. That wasn't a short stand. They weren't standing there for a short amount of time. They stood their spot. They held their ground. Joshua, then Joshua says to 12 men, take some stones from the middle of the Jordan. I got to hurry. 
Take some stones from the middle of the Jordan and carry them over to the other side. Still, y'all, still the miracle is in the people. They listened to their leader and they did what he said. But the miracle happened when the people moved. Still the miracle is in the people. He says, pick up something heavy and carry it over. I'm not gonna belabor this, but let me tell you something. Don't be looking for the lightweights that wanna flutter around in a cloud and get a high and get a goosebump and get a woo-woo. Don't be looking for the people who wanna come and worship God and get up and ain't nothing changed in their heart, in their character, or in their lives. You need to look for the heavyweights. We're talking about people who can pick something up and do some work and carry some things forward. He's basically saying the leaders are they that can carry weight. These stones had to be put on their shoulders. They had their family and they had the stones. Do you know why? Because the leader said, we need some, we need 12 stones over there. When our pastor says, pick up something and carry it to the other side, when you are a leader and you are submitted to godly authority, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to debate about it. You don't have to decide if you're going to be obedient. You don't have to pray for 15 years and judge it by the, if you are a leader under the authority of a godly man or a godly woman, he said, pick up a rock, carry it to the other side. Which rock and which way? I got you, pastor. I can carry something heavy. I can carry a a heavy load. Leaders know how to carry things into the future because they weren't carrying it just for them. What can I carry, Pastor? How can I step up? Do you need me? Do you need me to help in kids' church when we relaunch kids' church? I can carry it. Uh-huh. Do you need me to help in youth ministry, mentor some kids, or even clean up a little bit? I'm your girl. I can carry it. You need me to help on the media team, get my phone or get my camera, learn how to run a camera like the men that are here today. I can carry it, Pastor. I can carry it. You need me to help. You need me to show up early and greet or usher. I got you, Pastor. I can carry it. You want me to give towards missions? I got you, Pastor. I can carry it. He He says, pick up something heavy and walk to the other side. Only the leaders can do that. If you're not carrying anything, you're not a leader. I'm not looking at the camera. I'm looking at my notes. Glory to the Lamb. If you're waiting on a title, you're not a leader. If you're waiting to be recognized, you're not a leader. If you're waiting to be picked, you in the red shirt with the blonde hair and the blue eyes that drives a Ford Escalade. Stop being spooky. Start stepping up. Let's carry something. When I was a little girl, when I was a little girl, I gotta go quick. When I was a little girl, one time I'll make this real short. My room was a wreck. I had Barbies that exploded everywhere. My room was a wreck. Barbie clothes, Barbies, Barbie horses, Barbie dream house, Barbie. I was, it was pink, it was Mattel, it was everywhere. And my mother comes to me and she says, Christy Dawn, I need you to clean this room. And then, you know, I've always been gifted with words, but not necessarily with timing. And I said to my mother, well, mama, it is my room. And because it is my room, if it doesn't bother me, why should it bother you? Now, saints and friends, she's a woman of God, and I know she was fighting the spirit of slap that wanted to come upon her. When the woman looks me dead in the eyes and she says to me, you're right, Christy Dawn, it is your room. Unfortunately for you, it is in my house. 
and everything in my house will be in order. Because until you pay some bills, you don't have anything to say. We let you live here. We call it an allowance because we allow you to live here. Because until you carry weight, until you contribute, you got nothing to say. I'm just trying to say, Pastor Joshua told him, pick up these stones, take them to the other side. Ain't nobody complaining. Not only did these men have their families, but they also picked up something heavy to carry to the other side to make a monument for generations to see. All of that to land here in verse nine. Joshua has done everything with them, with the people. He's done everything through the people, the priests, the ark, the Levites stepping out, leaders from every tribe picking up heavy rocks and carrying. But in the middle of the Jordan, uh Joshua begins to erect his own monument. It's not on either side of the Jordan. It's not, he didn't make a monument over here where they started. He's not yet over where they're going to go. He's in the middle of the Jordan. Walla water on this side, walla water on that side. And he chooses to build an altar in the middle of the Jordan. He begins to assemble this altar in the middle. It teaches us an important lesson. Church, you can't just praise God when you get to the other side. You can't just praise God after everything is okay. We have to learn how to praise him in the middle. We've got to have a middle praise. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm so glad I'm not where I used to be. We, we, we may not be through COVID yet, but thank God we're still here and we got to praise. Thank God for, that we can praise him in the middle of the situation. See, it doesn't take any faith at all to praise God when you get your breakthrough. What about when you're in the middle? What about when everything looks crazy? Anybody can praise God after a victory. But what about, what about now? You can praise him after a pandemic. You can praise him after the election cycle. You can praise him after the hurricane. You can pray. Anybody can praise God when things, quote, get back to normal, as if that's ever going to happen. But it's another thing to worship from your couch in the middle. It's another thing to say, I can't send my kids to school yet. We're homeschooling or we're distance learning, mama. And I got to figure out a way to praise him in the middle. When I ain't got my house clean, dirty dishes in the sink, and I don't know what to do about this. I don't know algebra, but I'm going to praise him in the middle. It's another thing to worship God in the middle. Saying, God, I'm not going to lose my mind here in the middle because I'm going to praise you. I'm not going to lose it all the way together in the middle. I'm going to praise you in the middle. I'm going to praise you. Joshua praised him in the middle with the walls of water around him. Not yet to where they were going. He says, before I get out of here. I'm going to build a monument in the middle of the Jordan because God has been good to me. How many of you can say God has been good to me, even if no one else sees it? Even if no one else knows about it, even though the water's going to cover it up and they aren't even going to see it, God will know it and I will know it. And he has been good to me because you know there's those parts of your testimony you don't tell nobody about. You know he's been good to you, glad that that part's covered up, nobody else has to hear about it, but you know, it may not be, you may not be where you want to be, but you aren't where you used to be, and you can praise him in the middle, even when no one else sees it. Mm. You owe him a praise right now in the middle of your living room. You owe him a praise right now sitting at your desk. You know, you don't need a, 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 a worship team and drums, although I love all that stuff. And I'm telling you, our drummer is so bad. I get in trouble. He's like, I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm about to lose my mind up in here, up in here. 
But you don't need that. All you need is a mouth and some hands. God, I praise you. Jesus, I worship you. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And you're right here in the big middle of it with me. So I'll build an altar and I'll praise you right in the middle. You owe him a praise. Where Your kids need to see you praising in the middle. Your family needs to see you praising in the middle. The devil, the devil wants your joy and the joy of the Lord in the middle. Remember the joy when you first got saved? Does anybody remember when you first got saved? You see a new believer and their eyes are so lit up and they're looking for God to do anything around any corner. God's about to do anything. And then there's those of us been saved since 1972. We're going to go to the church and we're going to go in. It's going to be, well, bless God. It's not like how he's, I wish we didn't, I don't want to put the lights down. Worship got to be so loud. I mean, come on. You need to have a flashback. Those of you who have forgotten about what it was like before you met the Lord, you need a flashback today. You ought to remember where your dungeon shook and your chains fell off. And you remember that God has been good to you. He's been good to you. Get a praise in the middle. Come into this place next Sunday ready, primed. Don't make anybody wait. Don't don't wait on the worship team to invoke your praise. Come in with a dance in your step and a song in your heart and say it may look bad on the outside, but I'm going to praise him in the middle. In the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle. I, see, see, happiness, I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about happiness. My life is not always happy. Happiness has to do with happenings, and happenings change quickly. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about joy. Joy, joy can come out when you're broke, broke busted, and disgusted, and still praise, and still dance. Joy can withstand hell and high water. Joy can dance in the middle of trouble. Uh-huh. Joy doesn't have to have the right atmosphere to smile in the middle of trouble. Joy can praise in the middle of a problem. Joy can praise when your teenager's pregnant and unmarried. Joy can praise when your marriage is in trouble because it's been COVID and it's all crazy. Joy can praise when you got a furloughed and got left let go at work. Joy can praise when you're on food stamps. Joy can praise when your roof gets blown off. Joy! I, you may take everything else, but I'm a oh, hold on to my joy in the middle. Joy can stand up and say, I don't have it all together, but I may not turn loose of my joy. He praised him in the middle. Joshua left a monument in the middle of the Jordan. And now, ha, now I understand 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14, I think it was, Elisha, he had told Naaman, the leper, to go dip in the Jordan. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Joshua built a, an altar in the middle of the Jordan. We're a little bit further down in history now. In 2 Kings, when the prophet Elisha looks at Naaman, the mighty man, the leper, a mighty man, he's bad. He was a killing machine, but he was a leper and he needed God. And he said, go dip in the Jordan, go dip in there seven times. And now, now, unless you know the Bible, unless you know history, you don't know how important that was. Naaman didn't know his Bible. He didn't know the history. He said, why do I need to dip in the dirty water of the Jordan? Isn't that how we are? Why do we, gotta go? why do we need to go over there? Why do we have to be obedient to the prophet or to the man of God? Why can't we just do it our way? That's how, I mean, I'm sure the mighty man didn't say it like that. You're getting it through the filter of a woman. Oh my God. Like we have clean water in my country. Why can't I just dip over in my, you know why you can't dip in the clean water in your country? Because there's not an ulcer in your water. 
The altar was in the Jordan. And even though it was muddy and even though it was murky, there was power in that water because there was a monument underneath it that had, that had been built to worship God. He said, why do I need to dip in that dirty water? Yeah, you may have clean water, but you have no altar. Because Joshua, Yeshua, he left something in the middle of the Jordan that was a monument just waiting for a movement. See, God will set something up in one generation that will be a blessing to the next generation. Look at our church, church. We've been in this community for over a hundred years. A hundred plus years. Thank God they didn't just think about themselves. Thank God they built for the miracles that would happen in the generations that would come. Thank God that they were, that they were, those of us are here now are still receiving the blessing of the sacrifice of the generation before us. Just like Naaman, the prayer of the saints before us, the giving of the saints before us, the serving of the members before us. I'm so glad they gave and prayed and served. What are we gonna do to build a monument so that the generations that are coming can see the mighty work of God? When the altar saw Naaman dip that seventh time, whoop, one, two, Nothing, 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 nothing. This is a dude. He's not like, hey, we're going to dip. This is a killing machine. But he probably felt like he looked stupid. But when you need God desperately enough, you will look stupid. Sometimes obedience doesn't look like cool, but it is right. Because God would rather have your obedience than your sacrifice. And in this, in this moment, I love it. When he hit that water, when he dipped that seventh time, the altar looked up and said, finally, someone has obedience. And that dead, rotting, decaying flesh on Naaman, on his skin, the Bible records, it became brand new like a baby. God loves obedience. The momentum, excuse me, the monument built in one generation becomes the place of transformation in the next generation. God, because someone built an altar in the middle. Some of us need to jump up and give God a middle praise. Some of us need to, 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 to set. Someone has not yet seen the miracle, but you are still trusting God. And God, he wants a praise in the middle. Anybody can sing a tune on a clear day at noon. Can you sing a song at midnight when trouble all around has closed in? Can you praise him in the middle? <laughs> I can praise him in the middle. I'm not there yet, but I can praise him. I want us, One City Church, to give God a middle praise all over the city, even in other uh, uh, parts of our country, even those of you who are watching in other parts of the world. We have people all around the globe that tune in to our services. Even if you're watching this two months from now, I want you to give God a praise in the middle. God, of, he is the God of the whole world and he deserves our praise even in the middle. And I wonder if Pastor Steve can come up and help me. I just want us to praise him for a minute. The word of God says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Goes on to say, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful, be grateful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. There's nothing in that scripture that is a suggestion praise is not a suggestion praise is a command so right where you are church I encourage you to stand up on your feet and throw your hands in the air and say God I'll give you a middle praise I'll praise you in the middle
when I don't know how it's going to end, when I don't know what the ending is going to be in the middle of an election cycle, in the middle of hurricane season, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of joblessness, in the middle of anxiety, I will throw my hands and I will shout your praise because you're good, you're worthy, you're holy, you're righteous, you're mighty. There's no one like our God forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Him in the middle. Praise Him in the middle. Praise Him in the middle. Hallelujah. Yes. Lord, we couldn't make it without you. We honor you this day. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. In our hearts, we enter your courts with praise right here in the big middle. We say this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, even in the middle. We lift our hands in our homes and we praise you in the middle. We lift our hands right where we are. We praise you in the middle. Because there's nobody like you. And even though it may look crazy right now, you help me over here. I'll praise you in the middle and I'll praise you when I get to the other side. God, we choose to step up in the middle. We're believing you to open doors that no man can shut. We can carry weight and serve right here in the middle. Help us praise you in the situation until we see a breakthrough that we're believing for. I believe that God is doing great things in One City Church and in your life, even in the middle. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We glorify you, Father, in the matchless, precious, holy name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.